Frontier Gentlemen, here with an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual accounts. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. Now starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentlemen. Gunsmoke. Gunsmoke, starring William Conrad. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. The first man they look for and the last they want to meet. It's a chancy job, and it makes a man watchful. Now here is your guide for these adventures of the mind. There was someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you. Now, here is O.T.R. I guess you've already heard. What? Yes, sir. I sold more ammunition the last couple of days than I usually do in a month. I'm nearly out. There's the last box of 45s I've got. I'd have saved more for you if I'd have known, Marshal. After all, you're going to be sort of out front in this business. Mr. Green, what are you talking about? You haven't heard? Heard what? About the Indians. Indians? The Pawnees. They're going to attack tomorrow. This is the last day we've got to get ready for them. That's why everybody's been hoping you'd be back in time. We have to get organized, Marshal. Where are they, Mr. Green? Who? The Pawnees. Oh, they're out on a prairie somewhere, I, I guess. Now, what are your plans, Marshal? Oh, I don't have any plans. All righty. When you decide what to do, let me know. I'll do my share of the fighting. You know that. You can count on me. We've got women and children in Dodge. May I ask one question, Mr. Green? Certainly. How do you know these Pawnees are going to attack Dodge? And how do you know they're going to attack tomorrow? Well, everybody knows about it, Marshal. That's why, like I said, they've all been buying up ammunition, getting ready. But who told them about the Indians? I don't know, Marshal. It's general knowledge. Just ask anybody. Is the whole town as jittery as you are? I'm not jittery. Marshal, this is a serious matter. Those Indians could wipe out Dodge if there's enough of them. Yeah, sure. How many are there, Mr. Green? Well, I don't know how many, Marshal. Good-sized war party, I imagine. Has anybody seen them? Oh, no, no, Marshal. They haven't seen yet. It's tomorrow they're coming. Oh. I'll put the forty-fives on my bill, Mr. Green. You let me know when you get your plans made, Marshal. You can count on me. I'll tell everybody you're back and we'll have a meeting. No. You wait till you hear from me, Mr. Green. As you heard right there, Mr. Green and the entire town of Dodge is convinced that there's going to be attacked by the Pawnee Indians. And you can't talk them out of it. And yet, Marshal Dillon has the last box of 45s that Mr. Green just sold him. Where did this rumor come from? Is it real? Why is the town in such an uproar? And why doesn't the town have a mayor, for God's sakes? It doesn't make sense. So find out when you listen to this Gunsmoke from September 12th, 1953. Oh, and by the way, it's never been known that Indians would ever attack a town. I don't think that incident ever happened in history. City and in the Territory on West. There's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, 
And that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gunsmoke, starring William Conrad, the story of the violence that moved west with young America, the story of a man who moved with it, Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Dodge hasn't changed much, I can see, Mr. Dillon. Well, we only been gone a week, Chester. Seems like a year to me. <laughs> Hard ride now and then won't hurt you. Yeah, it ain't the riding so much, it's the shooting that unnerves a man. Yeah, that reminds me, I think I'll stop at the store here. I need some ammunition. Oh, look. Take my horse out of the stable, will you, huh? All right, sir. I'll see you at the office. Good. Marshal Dillon, it's certainly good to see you back. Well, well, thank you, Mr. Green. Yes, sir, we've missed you around here. Well, that's fine. Uh, I'd like a couple of boxes of forty fives. Oh, you're loading up, too. I guess you've already heard. What? Yes, sir, I sold more ammunition the last couple of days than I usually do in a month. I'm nearly out. There's the last box of forty fives I've got. I'd have saved more for you if I'd have known, Marshal... After all, you're going to be sort of out front in this business. Mr. Green, what are you talking about? You haven't heard. Heard what? About the Indians. Indians? The Pawnees. They're going to attack tomorrow. This is the last day we've got to get ready for them. That's why everybody's been hoping you'd be back in time. We have to get organized, Marshal. Where are they, Mr. Green? Who? The Pawnees. Oh, they're out on a prairie somewhere, I, I guess. Now, what are your plans, Marshal? Oh, I don't have any plans. All righty, when you decide what to do, let me know. I'll do my share of the fighting, you know that. You can count on me. We've got women and children in Dodge. May I ask one question, Mr. Green? Certainly. How do you know these Pawnees are going to attack Dodge? And how do you know they're going to attack tomorrow? Well, everybody knows about it, Marshal. That's why, like I say, they've all been buying up ammunition, getting ready. But who told them about the Indians? <laughs> I don't know, Marshal. It's general knowledge. Just ask anybody. Is the whole town as jittery as you are? I'm not jittery. Marshal, this is a serious matter. Those Indians could wipe out Dodge if there's enough of them. Yeah, sure. How many are there, Mr. Green? Well, I don't know how many, Marshal. Good-sized war party, I imagine. Has anybody seen them? Oh, no, no, Marshal. They haven't seen yet. It's tomorrow they're coming. Oh. I'll put the forty fives on my bill, Mr. Green. You let me know when you get your plans made, Marshal. You can count on me. I'll tell everybody you're back and we'll have a meeting. No. You wait till you hear from me, Mr. Green. Uh, hello, Doc. Oh, oh, hi, Matt. A 
I saw Chester riding up Front Street, so I come down to welcome you home. I gave our horse the feed of grain, Mr. Dillon. Figured they'd earned it. Oh, good. Doc, I've been talking to Mr. Green down the street. Yes? Has he gone crazy or what? Oh, he must have told you about the Indians. Indians? Oh, the whole town's been talking about them, Matt. Pawnees are on the warpath, they say. And they're going to attack Dodge. Tomorrow, I believe it is. Good heavens, Mr. Dillon. Oh, now, don't you start it, Chester. When did all this talk begin, Doc? Uh, a couple of days ago. Oh, everybody's been pretty excited. Especially Green and Hank Risling at the Dodge house. Oh, they sure been hoping you'd get back in time to take charge of everything. Well, what do we do, Mr. Dillon? Nothing, Chester. Well, everybody seems pretty sure about it, Matt. They'll expect you to do something. Who started all this talk, Doc? Well, I haven't heard anybody uh, mention that. Yeah. Some drunk, probably, or some greenhorn. The rumor spreads, and pretty soon everybody takes it for a fact, and then a panic begins. Well, there might be Indians, Matt. Has anybody seen them or any sign of them? Well, you're going to have a hard time talking people out of it. Yeah, maybe. But first, got to find out how all this nonsense started. Uh, Chester, hmm? you go ask Mr. Hightower what he knows, huh? He's got good ears. All right, sir. I'll see what I can find out in the saloons, then we'll meet back here, huh? Yes, Matt! Matt! Hello, Kitty. You go away for a whole week and you come back with nothing but a big frown. What are you on the prod about? <laughs> People. Oh, that. How come you're not armed, Kitty? Armed? You're just going to let the Pawnees ride off with you? Aren't you going to struggle a little? <laughs> kind of exciting, isn't it, Matt? You don't seem very worried. Why should I be? Dodge is full of heroes these days. <laughs> Kitty, maybe I never gave you enough credit. For what? You got brains, too. Don't be nasty. You need a drink, Bill? Uh, no, 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 thanks. Uh, who's the old man at the bar there? The long one, the long hair. He's a size, isn't he? You don't very often see men dressed in buckskin anymore. His name's Tewksbury. He must be 80 years old. It's been half that since he's had a bath. Man his age has seen a lot of country, Kitty. Never mind him. What are you going to do about the Indians, Matt? Oh, the only thing I can do, try to keep the good citizens of Dodge from getting all triggered up and shooting each other for Pawnees tonight and tomorrow. How are you going to do that? Well, I'd like to know who started all this for one thing. I think I'll have a talk with Sam there. Bartenders generally know things. Are uh, Pawnee braves as handsome as they say, Matt? You'd be surprised if they really did raid this place, wouldn't you? Maybe. Wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, I would. Well, I'll see you later, Kitty. Sure, man. Sam. Hello, Marshal Dillon. Welcome home. Oh, thank you, Sam. What's your pleasure? Uh, nothing right now. Sam. Do you know who started all this Indian raid talk? I don't know who started it, Marshal, but everybody sure all worked up. Yeah, I know. I'm just trying to find out why. Mr. Green and Hank Risling have been wanting to get organized. They'll be mighty happy you're back. Marshal, 
I heard Sam say your name. Mine's Tewksbury. Uh, how do you do, Mr. I, I want to offer my services, Marshal. Your services? But what for? There ain't nothing I don't know about Indians, Marshal. Why, I introduced Kit Carson to his work patchy over in New Mexico. Oh? And, 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 and if it hadn't been for me, John C. Fremont would, would never got back from the Des Moines River in 42. It was Arapahoes that time. Inside and out, Marshal. Backwards and forwards. Dead and alive and cheap, some brave squaws and papooses, and I know them all. Well, that's fine, Mr. Tewksbury, but I don't think we've got anything to worry about. You can't trust an Indian marshal anymore, and you can trust a white man. They got sharp tongues and evil ways, and they're cruel and ungrateful. Buy him a drink, Marshal. He usually shuts up at least while he's drinking it. Yeah, all right, Sam, give him a beer. Well, I thank you, Marshal, but I never drink beer. Oh, you don't? I will, however, take a little drink of straight whiskey to hold in my mouth and sweeten my tobacco. (laughs) Well, you heard him, Sam. You old devil. Old devil, am I? You'll be grateful I'm here when them ponies come screaming out of the dawn. Do you lift hair, Marshal, or do you fight like a white man? Well, I don't believe I ever scalped anybody. (laughs) The the Indians got it all over you. They're them fierce, them ponies, and... Don't ever let them take you alive, Wyatt. I, I, I've seen them spread eagle a man, and here's your whiskey, and old eagle. man. Better drink it before it gets cold. It's not bad whiskey. Put your words over me. Grateful, anyway. Now you let me know when you need me, Marshal. I'll show you how to fight Indians. Now you, you attack them first. You see, they're Mr. crazy Tewksbury. wild. That's what they are. Mr. Tewksbury, where did you hear about this pony race? You hear about huh? it, but everybody's heard about it. They've all been warned. Lock the women and children in the church, Marshal, and leave them with enough guns to shoot themselves if worse comes to worse. There may not be enough real Indian fighters around here to hold off them bloodthirsty savages very long. Who told you about the raid, Mr. It's common knowledge, Marshal. Common knowledge. When's the meeting? Well, I don't know, but I expect that'll soon be common knowledge, too. Goodbye. Uh, so long, Sam. Here's for the whiskey. Thanks, Marshal. See you later. Mr. Hightower didn't know anything, Mr. Dillon, except there will be an attack tomorrow. What'd you find out? Well, I went to all the saloons, Chester, but all they had was the same story. Some wilder than others, especially an old man called Tewksbury. He seemed as bloodthirstier than anybody. I never heard of him. No, he's a stranger here. Well, look what's coming across the street. Mm. I guess this is the organizing committee, huh? Yeah. Who is that pioneer they got with him? Now, that's old Tewksbury I told you about. He's a little touched in the head, I'm afraid. Well, here they are. Gentlemen. Gentlemen. All right, gentlemen. Now, Marshal. Marshal, there isn't much time left, and we've got to get Dodge organized. Now, Hank Reisling here and I, we've worked out a tentative plan. Which we uh, just a to... minute, Mr. Green. There's something I want to ask before you go oh, on. Yes, Marshal. I'd uh, I'd like to know which one of you men heard about these Indians first. 
Well, I don't see it that matters. All right. All right, all right. Then let's say the rumor just got started somehow, okay? Pretty big for just a rumor, Marshal. Well, my wife's nearly crazy with fear. All the women are. That's why we got to do something. Get things organized. People will feel better then. You know what panic is, Risling? It's fear, all right, but a man can be afraid and still think. But when he gets panicked, he stops thinking. Like all of you right now. You're acting like cattle in a stampede. That's pretty strong talk, Marshal. Is it? Is it? Then I'll point out something else to you. You're willing to believe the Pawnees are on the warpath, and you don't even know who reported it. And on top of that, you're willing to believe they're going to attack tomorrow. Well, that's what they say, Marshal. And it's your job as the law here to do something about it. Yes. You don't help us now, the blood will be on your head. Blood? In Pawnees, they're the bloodiest devils in the whole Indian nation. And they're mean. They're downright mean. I know them. I'll show you how to fight them. We'll ride out after Chukesbury. them. Chukesbury. Well, after them first. Uh, Chokesbury, let me ask I'm you something. I'm offering huh? my services, Marshal, same as I did with John. Well, King listen to Fremont. me. The Pawnees are attacking tomorrow. At, Is that at right? At dawn, Marshal. They always attack at dawn. If if they die at night, you see their spirit wander. They they got to die. Yeah, I know, I know. But there's something else about Indians I want to ask. I, I know everything there is to know about Indians. Then did you ever hear of Indians they're, telling anybody just when they were going to attack? They're just like snakes. They never tell nobody nothing. It's just a uh, whoosh. And there you are with an arrow right, right in your throat. Then how come everybody in Dodge knows when these Pawnees are coming? Now answer me straight, Chokesbury. Well... Yeah, Marshal, it's just, uh, well, somebody must have found out. The only person who'd know would be an Indian. Well, gentlemen, have there been some Pawnee warriors in town lately getting drunk at the Alapraganza and talking when they shouldn't? Well, have there? No. No, the Marshal makes sense, man. It sure don't sound right somehow. No, sure do. Yeah, but if you stop to think about it, Chokesbury. Do do? When did you hit Dodge? Oh, a while ago, Marshal. When? I don't know when. I don't keep track of time. But the Indians do, though. Oh, they know just how many moons. Oh, shut up, Chokesbury. I don't want to hear any more about Indians out of you. And if you go on talking around Dodge, I'll throw you in jail, and you can do your spotting there. Marshal, Marshal, he's an old man. You shouldn't ought to treat him like that. I've got that. an idea. He's the one who started this whole thing with his wild talk. And you men have made fools of yourself listening to him. Now go on home and calm down your women folk and forget it. Good night, gentlemen. <laughs> Yeah, who is it? It's Chester, Mr. Dillon. Oh, oh, Chester. Well, come in, Chester. Well, hey, you're all dressed. Yeah, I slept with my clothes on. I figured there might be trouble yet. There is. That's what I come to tell you. Well, then tell me. It's a fire, Mr. Dillon, at the edge of town, that what? old rooming house of Ari Danvers. A fire? How bad is it? The house is going, but that ain't the worst. They found some arrows nearby. What? It's the Pawnees. <laughs>
We will return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, tonight's free and easy Saturday night country style on CBS Radio features the old Kentucky barn dance and the WWVA wheeling jamboree. It's Saturday night country style later tonight on most of these same CBS Radio stations. Now the second act of Gunsmoke. The rooming house of Ira Danvers stood at the edge of town. It wasn't much more than a jerry-built shack patronized by a few drunks and an occasional cowboy who had lost his pay at the games. And by the time we got there, it had burned to the ground. And a small crowd had gathered. Two unidentified men had died in the fire. Probably too drunk to save themselves. It was the owner, Danvers, who had discovered the arrows. Look at them, Marshal. I found them sticking in the ground yonder. Yeah. Well, they're Pawnee, all right. And devils stood out there somewhere and fired the place of burning arrows, a figure, and just shot these in to let us know who did it. Well, that could be, Danvers, but why would they set fire to only one house? What are you men waiting for? Those Indians could ride in on us any minute. Some of you men get out there and stand guard and get some horses. Now, hold it. Hold it, you fool. Let's don't get all excited. It's still dark and no Indian's going to attack in the dark. You know that. Look, what about those arrows, Marshal? Ain't that proof enough? It's an hour till daylight, Mr. Green. Nothing's going to happen till then. We've listened to you long enough, Marshal. We've got women to protect. Risley, you come over here and the rest of you men. We'll run this fight ourselves. Chester. Yes, sir. See old Tewksbury over there at the edge of the crowd? Yes, sir. He ain't talking so much tonight, is he? Drift back in the dark where he can't see you. And if he leaves here, let me know at once, huh? All right, sir. What do you make of it, Marshal? Yeah, there's nothing to worry about, Sam. What are you doing here, Kitty? Sam promised to wake me up when the action started. So he did. Well, there's been a fire and two men died. The action's over. Now go back to bed. Don't take it out on me, Matt. I didn't start this Indian scare. No, I, I'm sorry, Kitty, but this is no place for a woman. Where is a good place for oh, a woman? Oh, now don't start that. What are they doing over there, Marshal? Green and Risling are organizing the defense of Dodge, Sam. They found some arrows, I hear. Yeah, they did. Pawnee arrows. And they are going to attack. They're right out there in the dark somewhere. No, I don't think so, Sam. But you go look if you want. Sam! Sam, come on over here. We'll need you, too. That's Green. He's calling me. Well, then you better go. Sure, sure. I'll go. I'll go with you, Sam. I want to see what's doing. What? Oh, where is he, Chester? He drifted off behind that next shack. Uh, well, let's follow him. Come on. Were oh, you close enough to see if he's armed? No, sir. I couldn't tell. It's too dark. Now, yeah. look quiet now. I don't see him. No, neither do I. Now, hold up a minute. Maybe we can hear him. Now, now let's go on. Hey, something moved right over there. Yeah, I saw it. Look, he's lighting the fire. Yeah, there he goes. You put out the fire, Chester, I'll catch him. Yes, sir. 
All right, Shukbury, I've got you. Don't, don't, don't shoot me now. All right, get your hands in the air. I, I ain't armed. Well, what do you call this Bowie knife? All right, put your hands down. Well, you've been pretty talkative till tonight, Tewksbury. You want to tell me what this is all about? You go eat dirt. Where did you get those pony arrows you planted at Danvers' place? Them ponies, they, they got sharp tongues, evil ways, they're cruel and ungrateful. Tewksbury, hmm? what do you really know about the ponies? Oh, I know them. I know them. You men go kill them. You write them down. Why, Tewksbury? Why do you want them killed? They're savage devils. <laughs> they treat people mean. Why do you say that? What did they do to you? Let's go drink some whiskey. Tewksbury, mm. two men died in that fire you set at Ira Danvers. Do you realize that? White men, let them die. You can't trust them. I don't think you understand. You killed two men tonight, Tewksbury. Been a long time since I had any whiskey. Years. Are you drunk now? No. No. I'm tired. I'm awful tired. Tired and lonely. I want to lay down. Make camp. Yeah. Come along, old man. I'll show you a bed. When the citizens of Dodge found out about Tewksbury, they were at first ashamed of their panic. And then because of their shame, they wanted to lynch him. But they didn't. And pretty soon they forgot about him. A week passed and the old man never said a word. I didn't know who he was or where he came from. And then one day, an Indian woman rode into town and found her way to the jail. She was past 40, but still handsome. And she carried herself with the instinctive pride of her people, the Pawnees. Is this the jail? Yes, it is. You are the marshal? That's right. What can I do for you? Word has been brought that you have an old man here. Tewksbury? Uh, yes. I have come for him. What? I am his daughter, Marshal. Oh, oh, I, I, I see. Well, 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 will you sit down? Thank you. So Tewksbury married a Pawnee, huh? Many years ago. My mother is dead. Now, your father taught you English, huh? Yes, but I have lived among white people. Not for long. I, I like my people better. Uh, of course. I think my father does, too. He has lived with us many years. Tell me, wh- what was he doing in Dodge? He is old. So old he is like a child. He ran away one night. In anger. Why? Our tribe is peaceful, Marshal. We have given up war. But sometimes the young men find it difficult not to fight. 
My father made some whiskey. He was giving it to the young men, telling them they should kill white people. And he got caught on it? Yes. The chiefs held council. They made very strong talk. My father grew angry. He say he will destroy them. Marshal, he is old. Thoughts are no longer clear in his head. Yes, I, I understand. He has lived long. Seen many things. He does not like being old. He cannot understand why life is peaceful with us. Well, he sure stirred up a lot of trouble here. A hunter told us the story. My father will be more closely watched now. Because he has served the tribe well in the past, chiefs will send you horses. Horses? To let him come back. Oh, oh, his, uh, his fine, huh? His fine, yes. I forgot the word. Well, uh, it, it's not as simple as that. You, here you see, two men died in that fire your father set. I'm afraid he'll have to stand trial. Trial? Oh, your counsel. Yes, well, it'll be in a few days now, but, uh, I've got to warn you that it might not go well with him. Two men die. I understand, Marshal. I wait. Look, would you be willing to come to the trial to talk for your father? A squaw? We allow women to talk at our trials. Then I will be there. Good. Uh, now, I think your father would like to see you. Come. The trial lasted one day. I don't think Chukesbury knew what it was all about, or even cared. After seeing his daughter, he started talking again. But in Pawnee. Never said a word in English or even acknowledged it when he was spoken to. His daughter took the stand, and shortly after, impressed by her courage and honest dignity, the judge released Tewksbury to her custody. Outside, I said goodbye, and I watched him ride off into the prairie, both mounted on her pony, the old man chattering like a bird, happy to be going home. No longer lonely. Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by John Meston, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were John Daner and Lawrence Dobkin, with James Nusser, Vic Perrin, and Lillian Bayer. Harley Bear is Chester, Howard McNear is Doc, and Georgia Ellis is Kitty. <laughs> Thank you.
Gunsmoke has been selected by the Armed Forces Radio Service to be heard by our troops overseas. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Go, go, go! Go with CBS Radio. CBS goes wherever you go. Go, go, go! Go with CBS Radio. That's where you find your very favorite shows. Everyone knows you'll get the best on CBS. Go, 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 radio! George Walsh speaking. America now listens to 110 million radio sets and listens most to the CBS Radio Network. My traveling has been accomplished through the use of riverboat, train, and stagecoach. But these conveyances traverse only a minute portion of the tremendous area which makes up the states and territories of the American West. Therefore, in order that I might not be so completely dependent upon the relative convenience of public transport, I decided to purchase an animal. I learned that there were only two horse dealers of any consequence in Deadwood. My informant was a gentleman named Squatty Reynolds. We had recently met over a beer on Dolan's Good Luck Saloon. He put it this way. Now, uh, I reckon you want a real Sunday horse, Kendall, not one of them cut-back flea-bitten whistlers. Uh, definitely a Sunday horse. Well, like I say, there's two horse traders in this here town. One's Fitz Clawman, the other Wohaw Simmons. They've both got plenty of critters they'll sell you. Of course, I ain't saying one got better than t'other, but if it was me, I'd go down to Wohaw's. Simmons? Yeah, he ain't likely to thieve you blind as Fitch Tolman would. You being a tenderfoot and all. Oh, that's nice to know. Ain't nothing. Where would I be likely to find Mr. Simmons? It ain't but a shortest straddle down the road. Yeah, I ain't got nothing better to do. I'll amble on over with you. Might be I can help you find yourself a toffee. Oh, I'd be most grateful to you. Hey, everyone. It's OTR Rob, and welcome to Frontier Gentlemen. This episode is from September 14th, 1958. And the Sunday horse, for those that want to know, is a horse that's dependable, that's been well-trained. And he lopes gently, and he trots gently, and he's an all-around good, dependable horse. That's what a Sunday horse is. This episode is entitled, A Horse for Kendall. So, enjoy this episode of Frontier Gentlemen, and learn a little bit about what dickering for a horse means. And $50 to buy a horse back in the 1870s uh, is like about $1,000 in today's money. So $50 was a lot to spend for a horse. 
And his second most expense for most cowboys is his gun. And his third most expense would be the saddle. So those are the two things that are really important to someone living in the West in the 1870s. Enjoy this. In Deadwood, I learned that a man will risk anything on what he considers to be a good gamble. Frontier Gentlemen. an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual stories. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. In just a moment, we will bring you this latest report from the Frontier Gentleman. Nobody's a stick in the mud where CBS News is concerned. On features like The World Tonight... Listeners, go right along to wherever the news is happening. Hear eyewitness reports from CBS News overseas correspondents. Enjoy lively interviews with the very people who are making the news night after night as most of these same CBS radio stations present The World Tonight. Now, starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentleman. In my wanderings, I have found that a horse is an indispensable method of transportation. It is true that a great deal of my traveling has been accomplished through the use of riverboat, train, and stagecoach. But these conveyances traverse only a minute portion of the tremendous area which makes up the states and territories of the American West. Therefore, in order that I might not be so completely dependent upon the relative convenience of public transport, I decided to purchase an animal. I learned that there were only two horse dealers of any consequence in Deadwood. My informant was a gentleman named Squatty Reynolds. We had recently met over a beer on Dolan's Good Luck Saloon. He put it this way. Now, uh, I reckon you want a real Sunday horse, Kendall, not one of them cut-back, flea-bitten whistlers. Uh, definitely a Sunday horse. Well, like I say, there's two horse traders in this here town. One's Fitch Coleman, the other Wohaw Simmons. They've both got plenty of critters they'll sell you. Of course, I ain't saying one got better than t'other, but if it was me, I'd go down to Wohaw's. Simmons? Yeah. He ain't likely to thieve you blind as Fitch Coleman would. You being a tenderfoot and all. Oh, that's nice to know. Ain't nothing. Where would I be likely to find Mr. Simmons? It ain't but a shortest straddle down the road. Yeah, I ain't got nothing better to do. I'll amble on over with you. Might be I can help you find yourself a toffee. Oh, I'd be most grateful to you. Want to buy yourself a horse, mister? That's right. Well, you've come to the right place. That's what I told him, Oha. And he told me the truth, Squatty. <clears throat> Fact, uh, what kind of animal you reckon will fit? Well, there's a decent-looking horse. What, the roan? Oh, no, 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 not less than you plan to do some day herding. He's a churn head. 
Kind of bullwindy, too. No, 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 not him. Now, <clears throat> I got me a real sweet little dun over here. He ain't sizable. Not much over 14 two hands, but he's a long horse, if that's what you're wanting. Long? Uh, he'll go, mister, and he'll keep going till you say stop. And you got to say it good and loud. Yeah, that's a new one, ain't he, Woo-ha? Don't recollect seeing him around. Yeah, come in yesterday. Fella sold him cheap to pay poker loss. That, mister, is a lot of horse. Hmm. Rather broad in the beam, wouldn't you say? You mean the big bottom? Oh, sure. That's the nature of him. You take my word, mister. That's one long horse. I had him out this morning. He's got a fast walk and an easy lope. You get you where you're going. Won't give out like a lot of these fancy putting foots Tallman try to sell you. Uh, how much, Will Haw? You talking for the man here or for yourself, Squatty? Maybe I got a hankering. Fifty dollars. Uh, well, I'm afraid that's a little high for me. Huh, what's your offer? I wouldn't give you 20, I'll tell you straight, War. I ain't asking you, Squatty. Listen, mister, maybe you'd better go on over and have a look-see at what Fitch Tallman's got. Now you shut your mouth, Squatty, or I'll stomp your head in. Trouble is, you don't know a good piece of horse flesh from a hog. This here critter's worth better than 50. And how come if he's so good you want to sell him? I'm in the horse trade business. Not no hotel for Bronx, that's how come. <clears throat> now, mister, I'll tell you what. You give me $40 for this here horse, and if you ain't satisfied after a week, you bring him back and get your money back. Well... Then uh, you come in looking for a horse, and I tell you, he's the best I got. Whoa, you sure do want to get rid of him. What's the matter, you got a case of worms? Mister, you don't want no cayuse dropping dead under you. I'm a warning you, Squatty. Gentlemen, if you'd give me a minute or two to make up my own mind, I'd appreciate it. Sure you would. you just do that. Easy, easy, boy. Uh, man's a fool to sell a fine animal to life for $40. Man's a bigger fool to buy it. All right, $40 on condition of the week's trial. You got a deal, mister. Put it there. I sure do hate to see a greener get cheated. You say I cheated him, Squatty? Well, you ain't going to lose money on the deal, that's for sure. $35, Whoa. 40 Mr. Simmons. You keep a hold on that money, mister. Ain't nobody going to say that Woha Simmons cheated the man in a horse deal. I'm not saying it. He is, which settles the question, since I'm satisfied with that agreement. I apologize to you, mister. I surely do. Oh, no need to. Should have gone to Fitch Tallman. Fitch Tallman, that low down, no yeah, good. I heard you talking about my pappy, Woha. You better bite down on the tongue of yours, and me and Pappy rip it out on you. I'm a middling old man, Bill Tallman, but I ain't so old that I can't take care of you and your part, too. Now you get out. If you'll excuse me, gentlemen, I'll take my horse and be going. You bought a horse for Miss Old Scissor Bill? You bought that horse? Yes, I bought it. Yes. And you ain't seen the day that a horse like this was in your stable, Tallman. Oh, you're darn right, Woha, unless we're going to use it for bear hunting bait. Oh, yeah? You uh, want to make a little bet, you fellas? What kind of a bet? That there dun got more guts and gold than anything in Deadwood. You loco, Woha. That ain't no bet. That's an old man with a saddle slipping. <laughs> you're afraid to bet, sure. Uh, no, you just, Tallman's just... a lot of windy gab, sure. Yeah, now, sure. hold on, <laughs> Woha. You saying this hunk of crow bait, what this here poor fella just bought off of you, is a better horse than any horse in Deadwood? Any horse? That's what I'm a saying. And you want to put money on it? That's what a bet's fur, ain't it? No, nah, just You want to bet against Lobo? Oh, if he's going to do that, I'd like a piece of that bet myself. I said any horse in Deadwood. How much? Don't matter to me. Big or as little as you want. All right. You stay right there, Woha. I'm going to get Pap. I'll be right back. Now, just one more. Woha, you banded one herd of sheep too many. Well, even that frog-walking bronco mine can beat the tar out of this puny critter. I said any horse, Squatty. Uh, you are going to race my horse? That's what I'm aiming to do. Well, you got yourself another bet, Woha. 
I sure hope you've got enough money. Because you're going to be betting against everybody in Deadwood. I'm going out to raise me a stake. Ain't no backing out now. And you're a witness, Kendall. So long. The voice is familiar, but can you remember the name? That's the problem confronting our star-studded panel of experts each Sunday as most of these same stations present Says Who. Says Who is CBS Radio's fast-moving guessing game with Henry Morgan as host. Add the rapid-fire repartee of Morgan and his panel to the excitement of guessing the identity of the mystery voice, and you've got at least two barrels of fun rolling tonight and every Sunday night on CBS Radio's Says Who. Simmons' saddle room, I began to understand why the old man had been goaded into making his bet. At that point, neither of us had any idea of the magnitude of what he had done. He went into great detail concerning the rivalry between his stable and that of Fitch Tallman. The fact that Tallman, without a doubt, possessed the fastest horse in the area. I was sympathetic, but I said, I don't exactly blame you, but I can't see the point in even holding the race. Well, if one thing can make it easier for you, Kendall... Shall me back the animal. And you'll race him yourself? Yeah, I figure. <laughs> but you know he can't win. I never said that. But you did. For sure he can't win no short horse race. He ain't that kind. But nobody said nothing about a short race. Now listen, Kendall. I've been around horses since I can remember. That animal of yours, he's hard like rocks. The cowhand that sold him to me, he told me that that horse can go 30 miles in a day and never be winded. There's that kind of racing, too. That's what I got in mind. 30 miles? Nearer 300 Deadwood to Cheyenne. Go on. That little done. He, he won't be fast. But I reckon he can walk the legs off anything that tries to go against him. You really think he's that good? Huh? Well, I open my mouth wide enough, he'd better be. It'll cost me all I got if he ain't. I suppose they won't agree to a race at that distance. Oh, I ain't worried about that. It's what happens if I lose that's got me scared. Why not make a small bet? You can afford that, can't you? Ain't you got ears, Kendall? I told Bill Tallman I'd bet little or big. Didn't make no difference. Old man Tallman hears that, he's going to make it big. He's been looking for a way to put me out of business for a long time. And this would do it. Hmm. How long would it take from here to Cheyenne? Well, a man knows the right road. Shortcuts, four or five days. And 60-odd miles a day. That's hard riding. Could a horse stand it? Well, if he's ridden right, takes it easy. Figure... Five miles an hour, 12 hours a day. Plenty of rest in between, and he can make it. Got to go slow, though. All right, we'll do it. You want to ride him? <laughs> Why not? He is my horse. Oh, where are you? We win, Kendall. I'll split winnings with you. A deal? A deal. Ain't no use hiding, you old son of a horse thief. Who you call a horse thief, you sheep-killing dog? I ain't no one calls a tallman that. Let's hang up his hide, Pat. When we get through with him, he won't have no hide left to hang up. He's going to lose it betting. Yeah, this time that leaky mouth of yours has got you right where I want you, whoa horse Simmons. How much you betting on this here race? You name it. Your stable again mine, and every critter to go with it. Thousand dollars to the winner. Now, I want some of them winnings, Fitch. That all right with you if Squatty Reynolds enters his horse? Don't matter to me, none. I'll bet five hundred. Five. Five for me, too. 
Who are you? Honker Tom Tallman. He's a cousin. I got me a sorrel can whoop any horse in these parts. Not Lobo, we can't. I'm willing to make side bet with you, Uncle Fitz. Now, ain't no side bets in this here race. You better get whoa, not your own kin. Uh, just a moment. What about the rules of the race? Oh, you the poor mailord a cowboy bought that buzzard bait? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> ain't nothing worse than stringing a greener, but I guess you all got to learn someday. You set the rules, mister. Make no difference to us. Good. The race starts here, in Deadwood. Ends in Cheyenne. Cheyenne? Man, that's a heap of racing. Now, today's Thursday. We got two days to get ready. The race will start Saturday morning, 6 o'clock. Got to be in Cheyenne no later than next Thursday. Uh, make that Wednesday midnight. Right, fair enough. Wednesday midnight. Four days, 9, 10, 11, 12... Four days, 18 hours. Anybody comes in after that, loses. Well, suppose we all come in after that. Then all bets are off. Nobody wins. Now, ain't no horse can make a run like that without proper feed and the like. Every rider can have somebody along to help. Helper drives a buckboard carrying feed, bedding, and chuck. A man can take any route he pleases between here and Cheyenne? Any he wants. Finish line's at the railroad depot. You gotta get somebody to ride ahead to Cheyenne to be there at the finish. Then tell the mayor he'll go. Yeah. Who's riding your nag, Woho? I am. Kendall is the name. Well, now, now, which you figure's gonna drop dead first, the dude or his horse? <laughs> Might as well pay up right now, Woho. <laughs> hey, who's riding your horse, Carmen? My son is who? That's right, Pap. Now, I'll go along with the buckboard. Uncle Fitch, you reckon you can find me a helper? Oh, sure, Honker. We'll fix you up. Well, boys, I'm going out to make me a couple of side bets. This ought to be the easiest money I ever did make. You're absolutely yeah. right, boy. The fastest runner in town can't hope to keep up with the Mitch Miller Show because every Sunday night, when it comes your way on most of these same stations, the Mitch Miller Show covers that part of the entertainment world that stretches from the bright lights of Broadway to the Klieg lights of Hollywood. For another all-out, all-star variety edition of the Mitch Miller Show tonight, join us right here at the Star's Address when Mitch puts out the welcome ad again. By Friday midnight, almost $80,000 had been bet in Deadwood on the outcome of the race. Gamblers were giving short odds on Fitch Tolman's horse Lobo, slightly longer on Squatty Reynolds' Blue Nose, six to one on Cousin Tom Tolman's Sorrel, Jimmy Go, and, well, the odds on my horse were astronomical. An hour before the start of the race, Wohaw Simmons went over our plans. The little dun horse stood quietly by my side. Now, remember, rain or shine, these mules of mine pulling the buckboard, they're going to do a steady five miles every hour. Don't you fret if it takes a little while to come up with me. I want time to scout ahead. There's been some rain south of ways, and maybe I can find better trails for you to ride. Good. Now, remember, don't matter what the others do, keep him at a walk. Oh, once in a while, let him lope, but easy. Say, ain't you got a name for the animal? As a matter of fact, No. What did his last owner call him? <laughs> Dog if I know. Well, I had a horse once in India. His name was Kyber. How would that do? Well, don't mean much, but it's your horse. 
Now, I figure you'll race until about noon. That ought to put you still a few miles this side of Wyoming Territory. I'll set up camp on the road. Take an hour to rest up, rub down the horse, give him some good feed, and get some grub for yourself. It seemed as though the entire town of Deadwood was at the starting line to see us off. Then came the starting gun, and the race was begun. The Tormans Bill and Honker Tom were off in a great swirl of dust. Squatty Reynolds took off at an easier pace, but was soon out of my sight. According to our plan, I walked Tiber for the first three or four miles, then let him go into an easy lope. I stopped a few times, once to adjust the cinch and again to remove a pebble which had lodged in the pony's shoe, luckily causing no damage. A few minutes before noon, I saw Wohaw Simmons with his buckboard drawn up at the side of the road. How's he coming? Oh, fine. Uh, you caught a horse. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I told you. All right, let's get that saddle off of him. All right. Yeah, hold still, boy, now. Hold still, darn you. Any sign of the others? Well, Waddy Reynolds went through about half hour back. Others got a pretty good start, but that don't mean nothing. They ain't going to do better than 60 miles today. Not without killing their horses, they ain't. Where do you plan to camp tonight? Well, it kind of depends on how the enemy will hold up. I think we ought to make Jenny's stockade uh, well, good enough for the first day. How far is that? Well, you've done about 24 or 25 miles since the start. Reckon some 30 in a bit to go. When did he take his last water? Well, there's a creek a mile or two further back. Well, you didn't give him too much. Oh, no, no. Well, that's good. All right. I'll get his oats off on the board. You better get the blanket over him. Don't want him catching cold. An hour and a half later, I was once more on my way. At one point in the late afternoon, I passed Squatty Reynolds at the Canyon Springs station we were traveling on the main route of the Cheyenne and Black Hills stage line. However, an hour later, he overtook me at the gallop. That night, Wohaw and I camped at Jenny's Stockade. Our first day's journey done. Nearly 60 miles from Deadwood. I tell you, Kendall, we got to keep our eyes skinned, and that's for a fact. Them other boys ain't more than two or three miles ahead from where I last seen them. Now, they start figuring you for a winner, they won't let it go easy. What do you mean? Well, I mean there's a lot of money bet on this race, aside from what Fitch Tallman and me has a personal bet. Tallman's got a big feast coming if he wins. He aims to win. No telling what he'll try to keep us from winning. I see. And I'm just telling you, keep your eyes skinned. You better get some shut-eye now, and I'll watch. I want to get a start before dawn. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday night. Although I had maintained Kyber's steady, slow pace, there was no more than five miles separating the four of us. We had ridden over 200 miles now, and to this point my horse had shown little effect. On the other hand, I had once again passed Squatty Reynolds on his big roan blue nose. He seemed to be limping quite badly. I had not yet caught up with Wohaw's buckboard and the evening camp which we had planned for Chugwater. I stopped to cross a stream, when from the gathering shadows I saw two horsemen approach. I made out the sorrow Jimmy Go and Billy Tolman's jet-black Lobo. How's it going, Kendall? Very well, thank you. And with you? All right. Uncle Tom and me, uh, we figured you was close behind. We waited for you. Yeah, we surely did. 
We wanted to have talk with you before you made camp with old Woolhall. Well, ride along with me. We can camp together. Well, what we got to say ain't for Woolhall's ears, see? No. Well, you don't need to bother about the old man. My pap, he'll make it worthwhile if you take it real easy and don't try no more to win this here race. Of course, you ain't going to know how, because that Lobo of Bill's, he's got enough left to run that critter of yours clean under the ground. So there's no sense you trying, is it? We figured it'd be worth $500 if you quit about now. Uh, very generous of you, gentlemen, but I must decline your offer. I stand to earn quite a bit more by winning. But you ain't got a chance. Yeah, well, we'll just have to try. That's all. Uh, you wouldn't want no accident to happen to that runty nag of yours, would you? I most certainly wouldn't. Well, I sure hope it does. Come on, Uncle. Sure hope that horse don't break its leg or nothing. The next morning, we managed to steal a march on the Tallens, passing them as they were breaking camp. Wohaw rode along with me for a way in the buckboard. This is the big one today, Kendall. Don't change the pace. Don't rush him. I won't. It's Lobo you gotta watch. He's always got something left in the short race, and I'm figuring he'll have it for this one. What about Jimmy Go and Blue Nose? Oh, Squatty's through. Jimmy Go won't last. It's that Lobo I'm worried about. You got to save everything for that last mile. I'm going on ahead. Just keep your eyeballs oiled for funny stuff. Right. We kept plodding on. An hour later, Bill Tallman rode up. He was alone and threw me an angry glance as he passed. I thought his horse was beginning to tire, and so I increased Kyber's pace to a trot. The miles rolled under us. We rested, went on, rested again, and now it was evening. I began to see riders on the road. Some had come out from Cheyenne to bring us in. One called out to me. That other fellow's not far a mile ahead. Big black gelding. Ain't in good shape. You go get him, boy. At 11 o'clock, I caught up with Wohaw again. He was riding at six miles, waving at me frantically. Cheyenne's right ahead. Three miles to the depot. Where's Tolman? Last I seen, maybe half a mile or less. Fitch is with him. Watch out for dirty business when they try to pass. But wait. Wait until the last quarter before you do it. Just keep pushing him. Get him in the last quarter. Right. We were at the outskirts of Cheyenne proper when we caught up to Lobo. Pitch Tallman was driving his buckboard. He looked over his shoulder, saw me, and shouted to his son. Get going, boy! I saw the black horse start to pull away. And in another moment, I had myself overtaken the buckboard. I became aware of dozens, then hundreds of people lining the streets. I began to gain on Tallman. Slightly at first, then faster, and faster. The depot came into sight, and for the first time I dumped the spurs into little buckskin. Behind me I could hear the thunder of the two buckboards, the shouts of encouragement. Then in here, a great blaze of lights, and we pulled ahead, a length, and two, and three, five... I heard that almost $100,000 changed hands after that race. Wohar Simmons collected his winnings from Fitch Tallman and is now the sole owner of Simmons Livery and Stables in Deadwood, Dakota Territory. I was content to accept my share in cash, which amounted to a very handsome $2,000, a sum which brought me both luck and some misfortune, of which I shall write more in my next report to the London Times.
Frontier Gentlemen was written, produced, and directed by Anthony Ellis and stars John Daner as J.B. Kendall. Featured in the cast were Ralph Moody, Jack Moyles, William Allen, Will Wright, and Vic Perrin. again next week for another report from the Frontier Gentleman, Bud Sewell speaking.